0: 1 Kings chapter 19, the person of 1 Kings 19 is a man named Elijah, a man named Elijah. Elijah factors very large in the history of the Old Testament. Elijah was what we call a prophet. A prophet was a spokesman for God. A prophet was a person that God would call to a particular group of people to call them to him or back to him. In this case, Elijah was the person, one of the persons, but really one of the key persons that God was calling, excuse me, had called to warn the people of Israel, to warn the people of Israel to repent of their worship of pagan gods and to return to worship of the one true God. It was it was just about six or seven centuries before that that God had delivered these people from the slavery and the the uh, uh, the pagan worship in Egypt and, and now these people over the course of time and it's always incremental they had begun to worship and had really embraced worshiping these false gods the the world around them had been, more influencing upon them than they had been used to influence the world. That's always a dangerous thing, but this had happened here. And God was using this man named Elijah to call his people back to him. Now, that's no small responsibility. You think of this. Elijah and others, but, but more than anyone at this point, Elijah had a heavy responsibility of being a, a change agent, of, being, of, of overseeing the spiritual well-being of an entire nation. Now, that's a heavy responsibility. You know, we, we sometimes look at our responsibilities and we go, oh, I've got a lot going. Listen, think about this man. He was called by God to turn an entire nation, entire people of a nation back. To God. That's a heavy responsibility. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the chapter before the one that you're holding in front of you, one chapter earlier on, on, a, on a most remarkable day. We looked at this last week and if you, if you have not listened to that, go ahead on, online. You can access it there. But we looked at it last week on one remarkable day Elijah had prayed for and had seen God send fire out of heaven. What a remarkable thing. On that same day, Elijah had also seen, witnessed the 450 pagan practitioners of of false god worship, had seen them put to death on that same day. On that same day, Elijah had went and over an extended period of time prayed for rain out of heaven and rain out of heaven came by the hand of God. On that same day, late in that day, the Bible records that briefly he was the fastest man alive and he could outrun a chariot, and it was all done by the power of God. On that one remarkable day. And so this man, he experiences that day, but then in the early verses of chapter 19, the evil queen, her name was Jezebel, and she was, she was a a pagan god worshiper to the extreme, she vowed to kill Elijah within the day. She said essentially this, I swear to the gods, the gods who had been disproven just the day before, she said, I swear by the gods that before this day is out, before 24-hour time elapses, by this time tomorrow, you will be a dead man. You'll be as dead as those 450 practitioners that were under me. She said, I will, I will have you killed. The Bible records that, again, we looked at this last week, the Bible records that Elijah was terrified and Elijah ran. This man, this man Elijah, who, by the way, the book of James in the New Testament says that he was a man much like us. That's the quote. He was much like us, and that when he prayed, the power of God, God answered. James says that Elijah was a man who was much like us. He was a man of like passions. He was a man who trusted God like we trust God. This man of God who had been so greatly used of God experienced great fear after great victory. This man Elijah had a lack of faith, after a great display of faith. This man was deeply tempted after being highly obedient. This man who was much like us, I I think when when you see what he did, you go, I could never do that, and yet he's much like us. Have you ever been in a place where you trust God for something and it's something big? You trust him for some big answer to prayer and, and he answers and then... Almost within a day or two or a week, all of a sudden you start questioning God and even his ability or his willingness to do something. Have you ever had a great use of God's faith and then a great lack of faith? Have you ever been obedient in one area and just said, God, if you called me to do it, I will do it. It says this in your word and I will stand upon it. And then within a day or two, in some other area, you see great temptation. That was Elijah, and that's also us, often. We see God use us in one way, and then we struggle in another. We see a great display of faith, and we thank God for it. We know that it's not of ourselves, and then we see a lack of faith. Verse four of 1 Kings chapter 19 records what is likely the lowest point in Elijah's life. He was in a remote wilderness, he'd gone far outside of Jezebel's realm. He had gone as far south as he could go, away from her, and, 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 and he, he's, he's fled. He's in this remote wilderness. It says he crawled under a tree, and he asked God to take his life. Now, I don't know if, if it was to the point of he was contemplating taking his own life but for, for sure, he was, he was open to the idea. He was open to, to God just ending his life and taking him into his presence. He was that desperate. That's the temptation I was talking about. He, was, he had seen God do amazing things just a short time before, but now within a rather, rather short time, he is now saying, God, just go ahead and take my life. I'm done. He said, God, just just take me. Thankfully, God didn't answer Elijah's prayer. By the way, I'm going to add this. There have been a number of times in my life where I have asked the Lord to do something and he didn't do it, and later on I say, God, thank you that you did not answer my prayer. You ever been in a place where you, you're in a desperate place or a dark place, and you say, God, I want you to do this, or please do this. Maybe you even begged him, God, do this, and, and he didn't do it. And then later on you say, God, thank you that you did not answer my prayer in the way that I wanted. I think that was Elijah. I'm really glad that God did not answer his prayer in the way that he wanted, and I'm really glad that he has not answered some of the prayers that you and I have made in the way that we wanted because God had another plan beyond that day. I'm not going to preach the same message I preached last week, but some of you are in, a, in a, such a desperate place and you're thinking this is all there is. And I'm saying that God has a greater plan for you and that you are not done. God has a plan beyond this time of your life. He has a plan beyond this difficult season. He has a plan beyond this struggle. Right now it's as hard perhaps as it's ever been, but God is not done with you. He has a plan for you. So Elijah prayed for God to take his life. And verse 5 says this He lay down under the tree and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. Now it says an angel touched him. I, wouldn't you love to see this happen? I don't know exactly what it was. Now, when you think of angels, you think of, of wings and feathers and, and, and halos and that. And that's that's not an accurate description of, of angels um, really at all. <clears throat> but 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 do not think that some angel, I think, I, I don't think it was, you know, just brushed him with a with a with a, a, a an angel's wing or a feather or something. I, I think he kicked him. That's what I that's what I liked. You know, here's this guy, and he wakes him up. Now I don't know exactly how he did it but I know this. Wouldn't you love to see the expression on Elijah's face when he's sleeping and he wakes up and he sees an angel? You know, I could go the rest of my life without ever waking up and seeing an angel. It would be disturbing. It says this angel touched him. Now, let let me just, actually, let me just pause here for a moment and say a couple things about angels because um, as a pastor, I often hear um, some, some, Uh, different things, some really unscriptural thing about angels. Very quickly, just uh, four things about angels. Number one, in the Bible, angels are nearly always messengers of God. And that's the case here. This is a messenger of God. Number two, sometimes an angel's name is given, but usually their names are not given because their identity is immaterial. The fact is they're a messenger from God, and what their name is really doesn't matter. On a few occasions it gives their names, but usually when an angel is mentioned, their name is not given. Number three, when people die, they don't become angels. Angels are different. I hear this a lot. People say, oh, my, you know, my child died, or my, my friend died, or my parent died, and, and I'm not minimizing that or making light of it, but they say, now they're an angel in heaven. No, they're not. An angel is a different kind of being. When people die, they go to heaven, their spirit, they are eternal, but, but they are not, they do not become angels. And this is just a little addition to that, there are no angels named Clarence in the Bible. All right. Some of you understand that reference. The last thing, fourth thing is no place in scripture do people have ongoing relationships with angels. You, you you don't here have people at different points in their life you know calling on an angel and the angel shows up and they start having conversation you don't see that in scripture and, and so uh, if you say well I have an ongoing, relationship with an angel and we talk periodically or you talk with an angel don't do that because that's not their purpose in no place in scripture do you have people having an on listen Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so you can have a relationship with him not an angel so I just just want to clarify that because sometimes we get some really strange thing about angels so uh, this unnamed angel his name is not given Uh, This unnamed angel woke Elijah and he said this, Get up and eat. Elijah looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said get up and eat for the journey is too much for you so he got up and he ate and he drank now remember Elijah is in this desperate state just a few verses earlier he said god go ahead and end my life i am ready to be as my ancestors just i just want to be dead i want to be dead and buried just like them he he's a desperate man now there are probably a number of factors that are are key to or that that have a part in in Elijah's despair. This indicates that Elijah's physiology was a part of it. Elijah was had been physically spent and, and he, needed, he needed some good food and, and he needed some physical rest. And this is what happens here. He, he, he wakes up, and, and, and there's some food there, and he instructs him, and he eats, and then he lays down, and he sleeps, and he gets up, and he eats, and he, he, you see this e- eating and, and resting. Let me just, again, I'm, I've got some side things here, but some of you right now are in a really bad place in your head. Some of you right now are in a bad place in your head, and you're kind of wondering what's going on. And, and you're wondering, why am I struggling so much with this particular thing? And I want to tell you this morning that some of you may need to eat better and you may need to get some more rest and do whatever it takes to do that because some of what you're going through isn't just, isn't just spiritual, some of it is physical. And this, is, this was a part of it. Now, there's more than that and I'll come to that. But, but we need to be careful of these things. Physical weariness is a real thing and we dare not take it lightly. Do you know that, and, and do you know that, that that one of the things that God gave us that is very key to our survival is something called the Sabbath rest? God designed it from week one, literally week one, God designed it that one day out of seven we rest. It's really important to do that. And I think sometimes people neglect that and say, well, I don't need that. I just love to do this. I'm, I'm just going to go hard all the time. And, and, and physically, it's, it's not good. God designed us to take to, to rest one day out of seven. And so I encourage you this morning, honor that. And, and that's, that's a part of it. So the first thing this angel directed Elijah to do was to eat well and then rest. Now, look at verse 8 again. It says, so Elijah got up and he ate and he drank, drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, it's very easy in Scripture, this is one of those places where it's very easy to just read something and then move on. But I need to draw attention to this very simple fact. This mountain of God at Horeb is the name of it, it's a very important place. Because it was in fact at Horeb, it was at this same mountain about 700 years earlier where God gave Moses and the Jewish people the Ten Commandments. Horeb is another name for the Mount of Sinai. It's it's the same place. This is a this is this is a really important place. This is the land of Abraham. Abraham was down in this area. Moses was down in the, the people of Israel were down in this area. It's this area where God called Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt in the whole burning bush experience. Horeb is a, is a significant place, and this is where Elijah is. Verse 9 says, At Horeb, Elijah went into a cave, and he spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, again, I want you to use that imagination that God gave you, and I want you to picture this. It wasn't too long before this that an angel woke him up and gave him some instructions regarding his, uh, his, his, his eating, and, 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 and then he rested some more. But now, it says, the word of the Lord came to him. God spoke to him in the night and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I want you to see that question there. Just a few words. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, please understand, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know something, it's because he wants that person to know something. (laughs) If you see God asking a question, or if God asks you a question, it's not because he wants to be enlightened, he already knows. (laughs) can you God ask a question you give the answer and he goes oh thank you for telling me I didn't know of course not doesn't operate he already knows but he wants you to know what he already knows if God asks a question some of you God has asked a very clear question will you do this why are you doing this some of you, perhaps even in recent days or weeks, God has very clearly asked you a question and, and, and it's been very pointed and it's been very personal. I want you to understand God did not ask that because he doesn't, want, he doesn't know. He asks it because he wants you to know what he already knows. and He wants to bring a question into your mind so that in answering it, it will reveal something to you. God's questions expose our hearts. God's questions reveal our motives. There have been times in my life that God has asked me a hard question, and I didn't like his question. In fact, it bothered me. That that question bothered me deeply. I didn't want him to ask that question. But in me answering his question, it gave me some insight. He already knew it exposed my heart. His questions expose our hearts, It reveals our motives. God wanted Elijah to know that it was not God's plan for him to be there. And you go, wait a minute, this is the mountain of God. This is, this is, like, this is like ground zero for God's plan for his people. This is, this is an important place. Yeah, but even though it was an important place, even though this was in this region, maybe at this very site where where, where God gave his ten commandments, maybe at this very site where God called Moses to, to be the, the agent to deliver God's people out of Egypt. Even though it was in this holy, holy place where at, at other times in generations before this, where God had met with man, it was not God's plan for him to be here. Remember. God had commissioned Elijah to call the people of Israel back to him. Elijah wasn't supposed to be here in this wilderness place. Now, God still met him there, thank God, in his mercy. Even when we're not where we're supposed to be or doing what we're supposed to do, God can still meet with us there. That's called mercy, glory to God. But he wasn't supposed to be there. There's a whole nation, the Israelites, back in Israel, the people of Israel. That's where he's supposed to be. And God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God had called Elijah to call those people to repentance. God had called Elijah to warn them against destruction. But Elijah ran. Elijah took off. And so God met him, even in his his disobedient, untrustworthy, untrusting place, even in his place of great fear, God still met him and said, what are you doing here? God knew why he was there. God wanted Elijah to think about why he was there. You see, by this time, and and we don't know exactly how much time has elapsed here. We know that forty days have taken place uh, before that, however long it took him to get down to to where that previous experience happened with the the angel. So some time has taken place here. Some time, maybe several months have elapsed. By this time, he Elijah is probably physically and emotionally rested. He's not. he He's not, physically spent like he was when he ran off that mountain. But but let me tell you something, no amount of food or rest could bring Elijah back to where he was supposed to be. It it was going to be more than just good nourishment and good rest. His heart still needed a reset. Let's bring it to you and I right now. You know, there are a lot of times in our lives where we feel absolutely spent emotionally, physically, even spiritually. We go through seasons that are incredibly strenuous. We go through things where, where it seems every part of us, our, our emotions, our, our bodies, and our spirits are stretched to the extreme. You've had some of those times. You've had some of those seasons. Maybe you're in that season right now. And a lot of times we go you know what i really need i just need um, you know whatever it is that you just really i just need 2 weeks at the beach or you know i just i i just need i just need 2 weeks uh, with with a stack of books and some good groceries at, at, a, at, a, at a at a at a cabin on top of a mountain that's what i really need or or uh, me? I'm the mountain guy. My wife's the beach guy and or beach gal. She 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 likes the you know what what and we go. I just need a good vacation. I need some time away. Or I sometimes people say, you know what? I really I just need I need to pull up stakes here and just go someplace else, and then my life will be better. I I need. I need a new job. Boy, if I get a new job, this one's just killing me. This one's draining me. I don't like the people. They don't like me. And so I'm just going to get a new job and then my life will be better. That will restore me. That will fill up this cup that's just all emptied out. And I'm not saying that those things are, are, are necessarily bad at times. Sometimes we do need to get it. Sometimes we do need to take a break. We do need to get away for a couple weeks at that mountain or at that beach. I'm, the, I'm saying, but there are certain things that you can get physically or emotionally, but spiritually you can still have a hard heart. Do you know that after two or three or four weeks of vacation, you can still come back? Boy, wouldn't that be nice to have that long. You could get away for a long time and still come back and still not be right in your heart. Elijah, in some ways, had been restored, but his heart, his heart still needed a reset. Verse 10 is Elijah's reply to God's question. This is what Elijah, it's very revealing. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to shame, excuse me, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah was was very ready with an answer. I don't know if he'd been thinking about this, but boy, he had an answer right away. He essentially said three things to God. Number one, he said, I have been very zealous for you. I have done what you called me to do, and I gave it everything I had, God. I, I... there's a lot going on in Elijah. But the first thing he says, I have done what you called. I have been very zealous for you. The second thing he said is they rejected you. Talking about the people, he said they rejected you and they rejected the people you sent and, 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 and they rejected me. I've been very zealous for you. I did what you called me to do, but they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want anything to do with it. And, 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 and they don't want me. And the third thing he says, I'm the last one alive. There's no one else. It's just me and you, God. But if they have their way, I'm not alive for very long. Three things that he said. You know, I look at this, and and this is bothersome. I don't like this. But I have said some of these same, same things. God, I've done what you called me to do. You ever prayed that or you ever said that to God? God, you told me to do this and I did it. <laughs> but it didn't work. <laughs> you, you ever have that kind of a conversation with God? God, I did what you called me to do. I gave it everything I got. I've been so zealous for you and I, I've, 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 I've trusted you and I've prayed and I, I've shared. I've, I've, done, I've done that heavy responsibility and it didn't work. and and I'm about to die, and I'm just about done. No one else has done what I've done. Elijah's having a little pity party. He's having a pretty big pity party, and he's not inviting anyone else. You ever have those kind of conversations with God? God, I've done what you, and it didn't work. I did what you told me to do. Nothing came of it. I don't know how much longer I can take this, God. Elijah had an answer. Again, he's a man who's just like us. I, I look at this and, oh yeah, he was mightily used of God. You know, I've never called down fire out of heaven and, and, and I've never prayed and a big storm came and I've never outran a chariot. I don't think it's ever going to happen. And I'm okay with that, but I'll tell you what, I see, I see myself here with Elijah having those kind of conversations with God. Verses 11 and following read this way. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now remember, this is the same place, this is the same place where God met with Moses. So he's probably thinking, this is going to be big. Again, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So get ready, you're going to to see the presence of God. A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Isn't that interesting? Here's the, all of it, he steps out and this enormous storm comes to wind windstorm, powerful, ripping the mountain apart. the guy's just holding on to a rock from being blown away. But it says God was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. So after the wind dies down, ah, storms pass. All of a sudden, the ground starts shaking. There was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. What's with that? After the earthquake came a fire. This guy knows fire. Remember, he's seen fire come out of heaven. This is the place where fire burned a bush and the bush, bush didn't burn up. And here it happens again. God sent this enormous fire But the Lord was not in the fire. You know, I'm thinking, Elijah's going, what's with this? And then it says, after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Why did he pull his cloak over his face? Uh, Perhaps because some centuries before, when Moses met with God, God's presence was so powerful that it changed his countenance. And Elijah, he hears the whisper and he knows that's God. And he goes out and he stands at the mouth of the cave. You have to wonder why all of those natural events, why, why those, uh, those dramatic natural events, why are they recorded and yet God wasn't in it? Why even mention that? Why bring a windstorm, an earthquake, a firestorm, and then God's not in it? Well, we don't know. It doesn't say. The Bible doesn't record why. Maybe it was to show Elijah. We don't know. This is speculation. Maybe it was to show Elijah and all who would hear about this that God was not like the false gods of nature that the pagans worshiped. Some of the pagan gods that the 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 people of Israel worshiped, uh, it was the God of fire, and it was the god of the earthquake, and it was the god of wind. Maybe it was say that that, you know, those things happen, but and while God can control that as he did here, that's not God. That he's a personal God, that he's a God who wants to speak to us that he's a God who wants to be intimate with us, who wants to hear our heart and he wants us to hear his heart. He's a personal God. Maybe it was God showing Elijah that sometimes his presence and his power is revealed in dramatic fashion, like fire out of heaven some days before. Or 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 rain out of heaven, like some days before, or out running a chariot. Sometimes God's power is in a dramatic fashion, but sometimes it's just in a gentle whisper in a still and small voice. I have seen in my lifetime some incredibly dramatic, powerful demonstrations of God's presence. I have seen God move upon people in such profound ways that you just know only God. I have seen God heal people that without the power of God they would have died with that sickness, that disease, that injury. I have seen God move upon a crowd of people. I have seen him move in powerful and in dramatic ways. But I've also sensed his presence when no one else is around. And his power and his presence is almost so thick you could, you could reach out and touch him. Now, I, not phys- but, but his presence was so real and it wasn't dramatic. but It was powerful. Now, it can be both. I thank God for the powerful and the dramatic. I thank God for the day of Pentecost that that we we remember that that in Acts chapter 2, it says the the, the power of God came upon them suddenly like a violent, rushing wind. And yet, I also thank God that that in, in a personal place of prayer, He meets with us and we sense His presence in such a profound way. Still quiet whisper i 'm grateful that when we gather together and we begin to praise the name there the, the name of jesus there's something that powerful that happens in, in, in that dynamic place, but I also thank God that his spirit directs me when i 'm con- conversing with a person halfway through the week and I I pray and I say, God, what should I say to this person? And in a very still and quiet whisper, he he tells me and he tells me what to do. That's the power of God. It's all the power of God. I'm glad that God responded in the way that he did. I'm glad that God didn't meet with him and say, "How dare you run from me? You're done!" And he calls down fire and strikes him dead. But God met with him. He says, "Where are you, Elijah? Why are you here?" There's a lot more to this story, and we're we're going to continue to look at this in in the next couple of weeks. But but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna close it off right here, and I'm gonna ask you the same thing because. But I'm not going to use. It's not about Elijah anymore, it's about you. Where are you? Are you where God wants you to be? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Or has something come up, some fear come up, some distraction come up, and and you are not where you're supposed to be? Perhaps this morning God called you to do something and it was hard and you saw how difficult it was and you abandoned it. And I'm saying that it's not too late. If God called you, you can go back and do what God called you to do. So why are you here? Not here, not the corner of Fairgrounds Road and 281 North. Why are you here in this place? What? What's going on inside of you? And what is God calling you to do? And God in his mercy has given you another opportunity to say, Lord, this is not the last day. I'm not done. But in a very powerful yet profound way, you're speaking to me right now to resume what you've called me to do. This text is very personal to me. It was a number of years ago, a lot of years ago. In fact, long before I knew most of you here this morning. Um, I went through such a difficult time and I wanted to quit and not do what God called me to do said, God, I'm tired of this. I've been zealous for you. I've done what you called me to do. And it's not working. And if I do it much longer, I'm going to die. And I just wanted to quit. Only Joni knows how close I was to just saying, I'm done with this. Many, many years ago. And I'm really glad I didn't. Let me rephrase that. I'm really glad that God gave me the ability to stay where I was because he restored me and he refreshed me and he refilled me and he's used me. And so many of the things that I've experienced in the in the last twenty-five years I would not have experienced had I quit that day. Maybe you're there. You say, I just I just want to be done. It's so hard. And again, as I'm saying, as I shared last week, God's not done with you. So, what are you doing here? The question that God asked Elijah, he's asking you, What are you doing here? I've called you to something. I've called you to do something that's so hard. If, if it's not hard, it may not be God. Doing God's will is hard, it's tough. It's difficult beyond words at times. Now, he helps us, and he gives us joy in the process, but it's hard at times But he's not done with you. Why are you here? Why are you here? I'd like you to bow your heads with me, please. in a few moments these altars as always at the close of a service are going to be open and you're welcome to spend any additional time that you want at these altars it may be very important for you to do so before the distractions of the rest of the day pull you away from what god is doing right now but right now where you're seated with with please no one looking around Is there anyone that would just, uh, I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to identify, but I I want you to respond. If you're in a place and you really sense the spirit of God whispering to you, why are you here? Why are you not doing what I called you to do? that's you this morning, And you want to resume what God called you to do. You want to go back to that difficult thing, that difficult task. You just need strength to do so. You may be rested in body and even in mind, but in spirit, you need a touch from God. If that's you this morning, would you please do this? Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here? Thank you. In back, thank you. Thank you over here on my left. Thank you down here and to my right. Many hands going up. In the balcony, is there anyone in the balcony? Thank you in the back there. Thank you in the front here. Yeah, a lot of different people responding. Thank you over here to my right. Thank you. You can go ahead and put your hand down if I've seen you. Thank you. In back, thank you. Oh, a lot of hands. Lord, in your mercy, you met with Elijah all those years ago. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, in, in many ways, so different, such a different place, and yet in so many ways, just like this time, a task to do, a person called to do it, but a reluctance, maybe a wound, maybe a distraction, maybe fear. <laughs> I guess it could be any number of things, Lord, but really what's important is that you meet us where we are. And through your word today, you've spoken to many and reminded them that you're not done with it. that there's still a task ahead. and the thing or the person or the group or the the challenge, the responsibility to which you've called them is still there. So Lord, at this altar that is being made right now, the people that raise their hands, people that you've exposed their hearts. Would you please, Lord, right now meet with them? Refresh them that no time away, that no activity could ever do, and use them for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us here. You met with a man named Elijah on Horeb. You're meeting with people here today. And I thank you. Hallelujah. Would you please stand with me, everyone? Um, stand with me. I'm going to close in prayer. Again, these altars are open. I'm so glad that each one of you are here today. I'm so very grateful that you've given yourself to receiving God's word. And, and I want to pray over you. I want to I pray God's blessing on you this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these men and these women who have gathered here. I thank you for the ministry that has happened in this building today, things of eternity. Lord Jesus, someday we're going to gather around your throne, and perhaps only then will we know of what this, the difference that this day made in accomplishing more for you ahead than even we've accomplished behind us. Lord, there's tasks ahead, responsibilities ahead. They're going to be big, and it's it's not going to be easy, but with your strength and in your power and in your name, it will happen. So this I pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time. I ask your blessing upon every person who's here today as we go out and we do your work and your will with joy and with gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.